Christmas, Jim Minnery here on I'm Glad You Said That. It is Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Very grateful that you could join us today on this uh, very cold South Central uh, day. I'm not sure if it's cold in your area. I know it's in Fairbanks. Uh, You may be listing in uh, Southeast, I guess, but in most of Alaska, it's pretty frigid right now. We got about three feet, three and a half maybe even four feet of snow here in Anchortown, but it's gorgeous. It's beautiful, and uh, we're in the season of Emmanuel, so we're very grateful that you could be joining us today, and I'm glad you said that. Very uh, um, thankful for our friends John and Sandy Powers, who are uh, supporting the program uh, with their wonderful gift that allows us to be on the air. We're a ministry of Alaska Family Council, if you didn't already know that. Um, and you can go to akfamily.org to sign up for uh, uh, for our updates that we send out periodically. We also are a ministry supported by folks like you who are tuned in today. So if you are uh, able to make a year-end gift, that would be a wonderful thing for us. We're entirely dependent on that. And the blessings of God that have kept us open for um, for more than fifteen years. Um, but uh, we are blessed today to have Alexandra McPhee. She's the director of government relations for Concerned Women for America on the program today. And one of the things I wanted to talk to her about, I met her at a conference recently, uh, was this whole concept of life.gov. And what I what I realized in in speaking with uh, Alexandra was that uh, you don't have to have, and I've known this, but it's it's hard sometimes to uh, to remember it, especially after the elections that we didn't get exactly what we wanted in terms of uh, the Alaska legislature. As many of you know, uh, despite once again having a majority of Republicans elected numerically, at least on paper in the Alaska legislature and the Senate and the House were not able to organize. And so it's a real uh, a challenge for us because whenever they do a coalition, they make a, a handshake uh, that says we're no longer gonna, we're not going to work on. The Democrats will say, we'll, we'll partner with you, but we're not going to work on those controversial, quote-unquote, issues uh, of abortion, protecting innocent life, protecting parental rights, um, you know, uh, student uh, school choice issues, anything that they would consider they would deem controversial. We don't uh, have the ability to work on that. And, and of course, oftentimes what happens is that they will advance their stuff. I've, I've already heard some things, um, you know, who knows if it's going to happen or not, but that they're going to try to advance some of their own leftist I- ideologies in on the social cultural arena, but we don't have that ability because we're giving away power to them. So that's that's a hard thing to see, but what was not, um, what was uh, encouraging, was um, the uh, conversation that I had with Alexandra McPhee down in Arizona at a conference, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom conference that we were both at, uh, regarding this thing called uh, Life.gov, and it's a um, a state level initiative uh, to basically. Um, you know, inform women about all of the different ways that they have access to resources in terms of uh, carrying their babies to term. 
And, you know, oftentimes there's coercion, of course, we all know that, um, that's by the boyfriend or the parents or, you know, even the husband, um, people out, out in relationship in the, in the circle of influence of the woman who's pregnant that uh, are forcing her to terminate that baby. And then in other cases, they have that in addition to not understanding that there are lots of resources available. Uh, and we, we've known that and we've talked about that but this is a very profound um, you know step forward in working with governors across the country not just uh, Republican governors but uh, you know all governors because you would think that uh, you know helping mothers and their babies before birth and after birth which is what this essentially does would be something that Democrats and Republicans would be interested in but you can go to life.sd.gov that's life.sd.gov and you'll see a video by Christy Nome the governor there uh, they're the first ones to launch this and my hope is to be able to sit down with Governor Dunleavy and uh, members of his cabinet and administration and see if we can launch something similar and truly be a voice for reaching out to those who are struggling and being uh, put into a corner in terms of their um, their choices because it's ironic that they, the pro-abortion side is, is so... Um, you know, bold about discussing and, and, and clarifying and determining that they're all about choice. And yet uh, when we want to do that in terms of the other side of the choice, which is uh, to not terminate the baby, there's not a lot of help involved. Certainly they're not going to get help from us uh, to uh, terminate the baby. So that's one way to put it. But the, the reality is that there's just a lot of women who are making that decision or could make and want to make that decision to carry their babies to term, but they just don't have the information. So um, very uh, pleased to be able to speak with Alexandra today um, on the program. Uh, in terms of what's going on, um, you know, we're, we're just preparing for our year-end, um, you know, uh, donations that we hope to, to come in because we have big plans for the coming year that we'd love for you to be a part of. Um, again, you can go to akfamily.org to sign up for that and to hear about some of those plans. One of the things that I can say is that uh, we're so grateful for our friends over at the Alaska Watchmen, uh, Joel Davidson and his team, as well as my good friend Suzanne Downing at Must Read Alaska, that they are able to help uh, spread the word. Um, uh, we're all kind of working in tandem, which is just, just a wonderful thing. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, having, you know, the ability to go outside of uh, the mainstream media, um, you know, because people are not getting the full story most of the time. So I would encourage you, I always do, but I encourage you to go to Alaska Watchmen and Must Read Alaska and sign up um, and uh, be informed. Um, the other thing that we're working on is to, um, you know, is to make sure that um, your voice is heard down in Juneau, regardless of who's in power. And so we will be down there again this legislative session, watching and uh, seeing what can be done um, and stopping those things that are uh, against what you and I hold dear. Um, and you know the 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 reality is that yeah we're we're frustrated by the election results but we can't just sit back 
and and watch. We have to, or be frustrated. We have to step forward, um, and we'll be doing that this session, as we always do. Um, but one of the things that we also are going to be very focused on this year is the um, is the indoctrination that's going on in public schools. And we're laying out a, a plan of several things that we're going to do. Obviously, we'd love to be able to provide absolute school choice and vouchers. We've talked about that for years. Uh, whether or not that's going to be able to happen in the short term is, is questionable. But the reality is that we have a lot of things that we can do as Alaskan parents and concerned um, uh, citizens to be able to impact what's going on in public schools and to uh, and to provide opportunities, make sure people know about all the opportunities that are available, not full school choice and vouchers. But um, So stay tuned on that. We're going to be talking a little bit with Alexandra when we get back from this first break about some of those educational issues as well as life issues. But stay tuned, and we'll um, be having a, a full suite of things that are, we're going to be working on in the coming year regarding education. So stick around. We'll be right back with Alexandra McPhee. with I'm glad you said that very grateful to have Alexandra McPhee she is the director of government relations for concerned women for America really grateful to have you on the show Alexandra Merry Christmas and thanks for being on the show Merry Christmas Jim pleased to be here so um, I, I was encouraged as as many were down when we saw each other at a, a conference in uh, Arizona recently you know there's there's a lot of things that are going on in the country that are great in those red states. Uh, some of us that are um, in the uh, in the not-so-red states, uh, I wouldn't say Alaska is fully blue yet, but we're certainly not, um, we're not able to do nearly as much as we'd like um, because of our legislative situation and, you know, even uh, on the U.S. Senate side, um, it's a whole other issue with, with what happened with the Respect for Marriage Act and everything. But I was encouraged by some of the things that you guys are doing, regardless of whether or not we have a good state legislature, if we can pass pro-life laws. Um, before we dive into that, though, tell us um, who Alexandra McPhee is. What brought you to this place right now where you're now uh, with uh, Concerned Women for America? Tell us about you and then tell us a little bit about Concerned Women for America. Well, thank you again. And I am Director of Government Relations at Concerned Women for America. What that means is that I work with folks like you uh, who are doing such great work on family policy and with government that can uh, primarily at the federal level to support and advocate for policies that promote strong families. And as a Christian organization, Concerned Women for America specifically advocates for uh, strong uh, family-strengthening policies that, uh, in, that are informed by a biblical perspective. So I've been a Christian for um, about 10 years now, and it's very, I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to work for an organization that is very mission-driven and dedicated to to influencing public policy with uh, such a strong worldview. And it is my great pleasure to get to work with women across the country, and that's women who uh, are at every stage of life, be it um, 
entering into college, coming out of college, starting their career, starting a family, um, or watching their grandbabies for the weekend. Um, it's a it's a unique place where I am, and I um, have the great privilege to be their voice for um, federal legislators. And how long, I mean, for folks who have, I'm sure most people have heard of Concerned Women for America. They're a stalwart group in the country. Um, but how long have they been around? What's the history of Concerned Women for America? How long have they been around? Who, who got it started and, and what was the impetus for that? Well, it's an organization rooted in faith. It was started 40 years ago by the wife of Pastor Tim LaHaye. Her name is Bev LaHaye. And she um, recently celebrated her 93rd birthday this year. And we were so pleased to do that back in April. She was really just like anyone else. She wanted what she saw on the news to be informed by what she believed. And what she saw was a lot of anti-Christian rhetoric around at the time, a conversation about the Equal Rights Amendment. And this that particular bill has a long history, but the general idea was that there were women out there saying that all women wanted to support abortion and that all women were best better off if they could do whatever they wanted with their bodies. And Beverly the Hate said, actually, women are better off when their government helps them um, and opens the door for them to act according to their religious beliefs and women are better off when they are informed by the Bible. So she started Concerned Women for America to be the influence that she wanted to see in her culture, and every bit of that uh, continues in the operations of the organization today. And it's really the foundation of the ideas, the vision of Life.gov, which we are uh, working on this year in response to the um, in response to the Mississippi abortion case that was decided back in June which is to make any resource that an expectant mother would need um, available to her by just put, plugging in her zip code into a website and finding out what might be available in her area so that way she can fully prepare for um, the baby um, inside of her. Well, and, uh, you know, it was one of the things that I've uh I've heard about over the years, we obviously are very involved in the life issue and, and uh, have tackled it from a, a number of different perspectives, uh, from a policy perspective, but um, the number that, that got my attention when we were uh, down at that conference was that 85% of women who had abortion um, were unmarried, but they also, there was a, a percentage, I'm not seeing it right now in front of me, but it's basically um, the the number of women who would choose to bring their baby to term had they had resources or knew about resources. And, um, you know, obviously we, we celebrate what happened with the overturning of Roe and those states who are now protecting those unborn lives. Um, and yet there's a massive in, uh, there's now a massive push by California and, and New York and other places to not only make up for that, but pay for people to come across the borders to their states and, and get those abortions. But um, even then, um, I think some of those people, obviously, that are making those decisions to go to California and New York are unaware of some of these resources. And so how how is it that we're able to get this information to those women who are in that, that crisis situation where they feel like there's no choice? Well, you said it. 85% of women who 
had abortions in 2019 were unmarried, and they just have a fear that they can't get support that they would need during a pregnancy and after a child is born. But you know what? That is why we um, decided, had the idea and worked with federal legislators to um, put into action a, a one-stop shop, a website where anyone could plug in their zip code and find out what resources are near them. And those resources could be for healthcare, they could be for uh, workforce needs, they could be for um, tax assistance. And this all would be listed on, on the website that we had the idea of calling life.gov. And we work with federal legislators to introduce uh, legislation to create that. Um, and really, uh, we're doing that at the state level as well, advocating for uh, creation of state level um, websites like uh, Governor Christy Nome did in South Dakota. The attack on women is in the family is, is unprecedented. After the overturning of Roe, which uh, Concerned Women for America was in front of the court for, the moment that decision was released, we were celebrating. But the truth is that it just, um, which we always expected, was unle it unleashed a um, real uh, force of opposition against creating families. And that's no more evident than in the decision by the administration of President Biden to create uh, a website called ReproductiveRights.gov. Um, all it does is peddle and market abortion, and it's an, it's it's it can't be described as anything except a a tool to destroy the family. And taxpayer dollars are going towards it. Taxpayer dollars, sixty six thousand of them, went to running ads for abortion in Georgia and other um, states that were that were the focus of the recent midterm elections. This administration is going full throttle against the unborn. And the hope, the aspiration with this is to have a response. It's to say the federal government, whatever one believes about um, the size of the government, um, can and ought to promote life. And this doesn't, uh, our idea doesn't create new programs. It And the legislators we're working with don't support, aren't supporting the creation of new programs with this effort. They're saying, we have the resources, we just need to make them accessible in one place for a a woman, uh, even a father uh, who's expecting, or uh, the grandmother of the, the unborn child can find for her um, expectant daughter um, to say, I don't have to worry, I don't have to panic, I can find what I need. Well, it's it's true that the uh, it seems as though the mindset of Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers is not necessarily to give them choice as much as it is to force them into uh, a corner that that abortion is the not only the only solution but the best solution, and um, you would think that the um, that, that there would be some advocates within the pro-choice pro-abortion community that would say, "Listen, we're here for for advocating for the women." And whatever it is that they want that they think is best, then we will facilitate that. But that's not necessarily the case, is it? I mean, we we know that there are uh, you know there's a hesitancy. There always has been of Planned Parenthood and others to even show the ultrasound to the mother and to give them an idea of actually what is developing inside of them because they know. And I've been told this by an executive director of a Planned Parenthood agency personally that that would then kinetic create a connection that would complicate her decision, um, which is just stunning to me because, 
you know, knowledge should be power. And so the, the knowledge that there are financial assistance resources available, that adoption is available, that there are consequences. Are you seeing or have you ever seen that, that there's like a sense from the other side that they are wanting to truly get that information to, into the hands of their, their, their patients, clients? Well, what we need to be focusing on is making sure, like you mentioned, that information is power. And the other side is really the Planned Parenthood, the pro-abortion activists who would rather near a community pregnancy center rather than help put money towards having it receive an ultrasound machine for a woman who decides to pursue a pregnancy. It's the same forces that are um, really telling legislators, oh, you don't have to worry about um, pro-life issues, those are those are bad for you, and uh, they, they won't help you get reelected. They are the same forces that want to discourage people from going out and telling their legislators, no, this is a fundamental issue. Um, this is about preserving the relationship between the mother and child, not separating them, and, and really the mother, the child, and the father. And key to that is getting grassroots engaged. And, and what I mean by grassroots is really just people like you, like me, anyone who is able to get connected, who's interested in getting connected, to put their energy towards um, to, towards communication with their member of Congress. And we offer that at Concerned Women for America. Anyone listening to this who goes to concernedwomen.org today and tomorrow will see a way to encourage Senator Sullivan, Senator Murkowski, and Representative Pelcola to tell them, support this. Support information access for women. This is about Alaska moms who are often in rural communities and who need access to information to let them know what they can expect. Um, Alaska is a beautiful state with beautiful people, and this bill is um, this idea, the, the very concept of putting information together to, to promote family formation is so um, simple. It's so it should be non-controversial, but because of the forces um, Planned Parenthood, et cetera, who are, have an abortion-for-profit model, um, now more than ever, uh, engagement by um, people is, is so necessary and why we want um, attention from anyone listening to this to, to give it to um, the senators up in, up in D.C. to make, move this bill, uh, move this idea, um, the very conversation um, in a, in a, towards a culture that promotes life. Folks, we're speaking with Alexander McPhee. She's the Director of Government Relations at Concerned Women for America here on I'm Glad You Said That. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Jim Minnery here. We're speaking with Alexandra McPhee. She's the Director of Government Relations for Concerned Women for America, we're talking about ways that we can impact the life issue, um, oftentimes regardless of, um, you know, the, the, the culture that we have politically, where it looks at least in, in this session, unfortunately, again, we're not going to be able to probably get much past. We're going to have to be playing defense. But there's a lot that can happen, especially in light of the fact that we have a pro-life governor in Mike Dunleavy. Um, and so what's happened in South Dakota 
It's called the life.sd.gov. I'd encourage you to go there. Um, and, and so the goal then, Alexander, if I'm not mistaken, is to try to have one of these life.gov sites in all the states. It's hard to imagine that even someone in a blue state would get resistance. In fact, it'd be wonderful to see that first Democrat governor that actually they don't, I don't even know if you have to have support necessarily from the governor to get one of these going, but obviously it would be best. Um, so what, what's the strategy in terms of reaching out to all these states and getting folks um, or, or states like Alaska on board with the life.gov? That's right, Jim. The goal is a life.gov in every state, and it would be a way to list all the public and private resources, as I mentioned earlier, available within a user's zip code. That would be helpful in assisting a family throughout, throughout an unexpected pregnancy and afterward. So we um, were so excited when Governor Nome released uh, life.sd.gov uh, so timely after the overturn of Roe, and we didn't work with her on that, but really it's, it's providential. She was working on this at the executive level, that is at the governor's level in South Dakota. Um, we were working on this issue at the federal level to identify legislators who would be interested in pursuing the issue. And the plan is to mobilize um, folks across the country to be in touch um, with their governors, with really any elected official who would be open to this idea. And it's a state-by-state -state strategy to set up this resource so that way it can filter into a national resource. And um, one of the ways that uh, this can really help um, move the needle is by making clear that, you know, regardless of whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat, all this does is collect all the information that the state already has, that the local government already has to help people, uh, to help moms and dads during the pregnancy. And so that's the part that I, I guess I'm still curious. In fact, I'm thinking of several Democrat legislators uh, that I'd love to chat with about this to say, listen, you know, we certainly disagree on whether or not it's a viable choice to end the pregnancy. We have a fundamental disagreement on that. We are not going to come together, likely. But we, it seems as though we should be able to come together on this. Um, because certainly, you know, Planned Parenthood and other advocates of abortion have to acknowledge that there are many women that walk into their clinics, um, and even those that don't, that are choosing life for their, uh, for their unborn. And, uh, I just don't understand why there would be hesitancy. Certainly, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a venom that goes back and forth between the sides mm -hmm. that's, oftentimes not good for um, either either position because it gets so ugly and emotional and everything else because it's so personal. But ha have you guys been able to see um, Democrat support of some of this, or is it just something that it, it sounds good, like they should support it, but we're not actually seeing it? Well, I'll just say that this this idea really gets at the, the motivation for a lot of Democrats to fund health programs, which is maternal mortality. Uh, the maternal mortality crisis is due in part to resource shortages. Uh, maternity care, pharmacies, grocery stores, ease of transportation, all of those bear on maternal mortality. This website makes that kind of information accessible. And information is power. That's 
what um, that's what everyone says, right? Make a choice. Well, in order to make a choice, you have to be informed. And this website helps close information gaps. The on the on the point about you know just what's stopping things. Really, we have a federal government that um, has its thumb so um, pressed on the scale towards abortion, um, not even choice, just supporting abortion. And that's why we have reproductive rights stuff. That's why we have $66,000 in ads about getting abortion access rather than $66,000 in ads about relieving maternal mortality. And what it comes down to is um, if anyone does have a relationship with um, their neighbor who's a Democrat, or their, uh, if you have a connection with a legislator. It's, it's about saying what this is really about, which is um, what they really care about, which is maternal mortality can be relieved. And it um, is a way to uh, really increase knowledge, which uh, anyone can agree is, is the right thing, the right kind of goal we should have for all expectant families. Amen. That's right. Well, so I saw when I, when I was on the, uh, on your website, I noticed that there was a tab for Alaska because we're obviously trying to push the Standing with Moms Act. Um, are, are you guys able to see any bipartisan support of that, um, or has it been the typical divide? Well, uh, yes, we are in touch with folks who are deep in the blue states but are still pro-life, and that is an ongoing conversation. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither was uh, peace over um, the unborn between Republicans and Democrats. But yeah. we do know that um, that uh, there are pro-life um, liberals. We we protested with them in front of the we demonstrated with them in front of the Supreme Court for the overturn of Roe. Um, every day we were out there, we were standing alongside um, LGBT activists. You're standing alongside uh, professed atheists and secularists, and um, this is something that uh, provides a lot of opportunity for common ground. It's just about finding it and being strategic about it. And we are in touch with folks, the, um, and we uh, always work towards making um, something that's so common sense um, possible despite any potential political obstacles. Well, and it seems as though, you know, during the discussion of Mary Paltola getting elected as the first Democrat in 50 years, um, she was very uh, um, focused on abortion issue during her campaign. She didn't say that word, I don't think, one time uh, throughout the entire uh, campaign, but it was all about family, fish, and freedom that uh, resonated very well across the state. But the freedom, of course, wasn't the kind of freedom that you and I think of. It's it's the freedom to terminate your unborn child. Um, but she did. Uh, she was very proud of the fact that she was a grandmother. She has all these kids. Uh, she loves family. You would think that at some point we could sit down with her um, and other Democrats across the aisle and say, you know what, this is something that is good for women. It's good for them to have this knowledge. Um, to give them this power, and that's my prayer that we'll be able to sit down with not only Mary Paltola but with Lisa Murkowski. You know, we have lots of uh, there's a lot of angst now in in this state since we have um, you know Lisa Murkowski for another six years. There's no uh, it's no surprise that our organization and many others in the pro-life pro-family arena have been very opposed to uh, most of what she has done in this arena, um, and yet. 
you know, the hope springs eternal. Uh, we, we need to sit down and, and see where we might be able to come to, you know, some kind of an agreement. And you would like to think that that could happen. And, and um, in terms of other stuff that you guys have going on, what are your what are your primary focuses for the upcoming year? A lot of these uh, nonprofit ministries are are reaching out uh, and telling their their constituents about the upcoming year and what hopes and and, and uh, uh, opportunities lie ahead. What are some of the uh, thirty thousand foot level plans you guys have? Well, we will continue our mission to support the sanctity of life, to support um, education, freedom, and the defense of family. Particularly when it comes to education, the the mission that we have is to respond to 2022 being what we call the year of the parent. And our goal will be to protect and strengthen parental rights, uh, to oppose radical gender ideology that um, pervades so much curriculum that parents uh, began to see when they were sitting next to their kids during um, online school over the pandemic, and really promoting choice and flexibility for all kids to get a quality education. We're also keeping a very close eye on um, the financial services industry and its use of uh, probably a obscure term, environmental social governance scores, or ESGs, to promote um, woke ideology. And lastly, we're just uh, remaining um, engaged on a lot of uh, the threats to our national sovereignty, which includes um, compromising of privacy by China, um, maintaining strong relations with Israel, and also making sure America's interests are served in any international deal. And, um, you know, the Iran nuclear deal is is bad news, um, and we'll be continuing all of these, but especially education, um, going forward. Okay. Well, let's talk more about that. We have one more segment um, of the show today. Folks, I'm speaking with Alexandra McPhee. She is the Director of Government Relations for Concerned Women for America. We've been talking about life a lot. Um, and so when we come back from this last break, we'll talk a little bit about education. We're, of course, focused on that as well. And uh, we'll have a few minutes to talk about that uh, right when we get back from this break. Thanks so much. Stick around. When peace like a river, a hey, everybody. Welcome back. Jim Minnery. Here on I'm Glad You Said That, very grateful to have Alexandra McPhee, Director of Government Relations for Concerned Women of America. We've been talking a lot about the life issue for the first two segments, and there's a lot to, to be done. Very excited about um, sitting down with Governor Dunleavy and members of his cabinet to see what we can do outside of passing legislation and advancing you know, uh, advancing uh, bills that we likely will not be able to do this year. We have other things that we can do, and we will do that and, and, and in partnership with Concerned Women for America. So we're very um, grateful for this opportunity and for this partnership. We also are focused uh, on the education issue. As we know, um, you know, there's a, a, a sexualization, an indoctrination uh, going on that's unprecedented. Um, a lot of parents uh, are either uninformed. I would say, in the public school, it's hard. It'd be interesting to do a, a do a survey. I don't know if that's been done or not. But you know, you talk to so many people who say how aggressive the LGBT um, uh, activists have become in you know every single school uh, 
teacher office window has a, a rainbow sticker on it. I mean, I, I've been to some of the junior high and, and high schools, public schools here in Anchorage, and it's like, oh my gosh, it just seems so um, so uh, prominent and so in your face. Um, but I don't know if uh, the majority of parents are uh, are aware of it. What and I, I so I think that uh, once we you know get a, a, a you know, a, a, an awareness of this, that there will be a change, but others have said, you know what, there's people that just, they're not, they're not that concerned about it. Um, and so our job, I guess, is to, to help them understand why it's concerning. There are, there are pockets of people that are just irate and they've pulled their kids out of schools and they, and, and they go to school board meetings, but in general, things just keep moving forward. And it doesn't seem like we're able to slow down this, um, this uh, indoctrination that's going on. What's what's your view on that? I mean, are we are we able to stop this, or, or and if so, what are the strategies to do so? The missing piece in education is parental autonomy. For in so many school districts, parents are conditioned to think that the public school education system, as it is given to my child, is the only option for my child. And we need to, and we are working towards fighting that mentality because if there's anything that the pandemic showed us, it's that parents have a strong voice and role in the direction of their child's education. And if anyone was asleep at the wheel before, they're awake now. Um, schools have been able to get away with far too much, as you mentioned, um, that is cultivated uh, and incubated really in classrooms, uh, the radical gender ideology, um, is is a downstream of culture, but is reinforced at the educational level. And part of that is because of the kids being put in charge of the school system. Um, so much about so many of the incentives in the education system are about avoiding liability, are about avoiding uh, a slap on the wrist from a relevant enforcer. It's not about educating kids and whether the incentive is against not upsetting the LGBT, radical LGBT activists uh, or the radical LGBT activists in the federal government. Um, what we're focused on is reorienting where the incentives go. And that's why we're supporting um, education and informing the American public about uh, parents and, and their role in uh, educational choice. And the fact of the matter is that it's not just about having a, a different world to stay from. And, uh, someone who believes that same-sex marriage is okay, uh, that abortion should be available on demand. It's about literal outcomes. And, student, and recent statistics show students, um, American students, very far behind other countries in the rudimentary, um, in the, in the basic uh, sets of, of reading, writing, math. And frankly, it's because schools spend more money on their administrators and DEI than they do on actual education. Yeah. It, by reinserting opportunities for school choice, which in our case means supporting money from the state that is in the control of the parent for the parent to put into whatever programs are most appropriate for the education of their child, then that will be an opportunity for uh, really a, a focus on what helps the kid, not what radical ideology can we indoctrinate them with today. Amen. I mean, we, we've seen a massive number or massive exodus 
although you rarely see that um, when they talk about, oh, the reason I mean, there's debate or I don't, uh, in Anchorage here in our biggest city in Alaska of closing down several schools. And uh, I, I don't even know if an, and a few of the articles that I read about it um, didn't even mention the fact that, that one of the reasons is because homeschooling has um, you know expanded exponentially since COVID. And um, but they don't want to talk about that because that would somehow be you know, a mark against the schools, but uh, it's certainly a direction that, or, or a trend that we need to continue. We we kind of balance this this mindset of wanting to, um, you know, provide as many school choice uh, opportunities as possible to parents, but at the same time also knowing that the majority of kids are going to be in school and they are, are in public school and they are uh, there, there's, uh, they're lacking educationally in terms of the basic skills and, and, uh, uh, in reading, writing, and arithmetic that you mentioned, but they're also being indoctrinated. So what can we do with those kids currently in school? We're working on a few programs, as you and I saw down in Arizona. There's the, um, uh, the school ministries program where we can get kids actually during the school hour to come out and to learn the gospel, to, uh, to be equipped to understand uh, how they're made in the image of God. It's amazing to me. We're actually going to um, hopefully implement that in, in this year, this coming year. But, um, you know, short of getting a kid out of school and getting them into a private school or to a, a, a charter school or a home school, um, you know, what can what can the average parent do to try to, I mean, be engaged, of course, but in terms of stopping some of this nonsense that's being taught, some parents feel um, helpless. Right. There is a considerable, there was, I'll say was, a considerable amount of learned helplessness before the pandemic. But now is the time to really um, just use your voice. The teachers' unions overplayed their hand during the pandemic. They used school closures to force pet priorities totally outside of the interests of a student's education. And there is no better time for a parent to be involved in what their school board says. So attending school board meetings um, as much as is possible with one schedule to encourage politicians to speak about the education issue. It was so uh, it was it was mind blowing that politicians did not emphasize the education issue as much as they could have, in which they rightfully could have uh, discussed. Um, compared, considering that's what took Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia across the finish line um, right. just last year. The parents uh, should have a right to send their kids to schools that best reflect their values. And Christian schools, Catholic schools, Jewish schools, whatever, STEM schools, homeschool, the money should follow the children. Uh, to the school that the parents choose. And um, there are two states that are really the gold standard for this, Arizona and West Virginia. And they give parents that, those very tools in order to make sure that uh, their child gets the education that they deserve. So people see a problem now, and the way to fix it is to encourage these kinds of changes, to make sure that the money is following the child rather than um, – a, a, another uh, paycheck for an administrator in a public school to advance a radical agenda. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that there's. Uh, we need to have hope in that there has been this mama bear uh, mentality 
that some of us just think it was going to roll downhill like a snowball and continue to gather momentum, but it's more like, uh, you know, a, 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 a flat um, surface or even uphill a little bit, even though there's momentum, those of us who are in this arena thinking about it constantly have to continue to push it because it's not going to just happen on its own is what I've realized. You, you're not going to get what, what what I would like to see, which is just this phenomenal um, you know, anger and energy that just pours forth and, and there's change that's made because of the, the sheer numbers of parents that are in disagreement with what's going on in the school. We have to do our part as organizations and then also as individuals. And you guys have been doing that for a very long time and just so grateful to get to know you better, Alexandra, and, and looking forward to working with you on not, not only um, the life.gov issue with our own governor, but then also some of these educational things down the road. We love having national partners. We love um, working on a uh, on a, a grand scale with you guys and all the experience and, and best practices you have. So God bless you and all you do. Merry Christmas and can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you for having us. And we are here to provide educational materials to offer a solution to the problem that American parents, that um, expectant mothers, families are already aware exists. Awesome. Folks, go to concernedwomen.org and uh, have a blessed Christmas and New Year. Alexander, we'll be in touch next year. Thank you, Jim. Merry Christmas. All right. Take care.